Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember, subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. This week's Fiber for Breakfast brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Wesco. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now in our 44th episode of 2023. But before we kick off, I'd like to thank Wesco, the platinum sponsor of Fiber for Breakfast, and our gold sponsor, Network Connects. You know, we had some exciting news from NTI on the BEAD program this morning. Uh, this morning, NTI released a waiver uh, on to our letter of credit requirement uh, for the BEAD program. So the waiver makes a number of modifications to the requirements to provide more flexible flexibility to the eligible entities and subgrantees, and include the following. Allows credit unions to issue the letter of credit, um, allows use of permit uh, performance bonds, allows eligible entities to reduce the obligation upon completion of milestone, and allows for an alternative initial letter of credit or performance bond percentage. So while not perfect, we really appreciate NTI recognizing the need for more flexible options to ensure maximum participation in the BEAD grants. The White House last week requested that Congress appropriate about $6 billion to supplement the Bipartisan Affordable uh, Connectivity Program, ACP. The ACP has played a significant role in bringing affordable high-speed internet to Americans since the pandemic, and this funding is necessary as a key aspect for providers of broadband as they consider their participation in the BEAD grants. Last week, we held our last regional Fiber Connect workshop in Minnesota, and it was great. We had a, we really appreciate the warm welcome from Senator Klobuchar and the fantastic turnout. We also announced our regional Fiber Connect workshops for 2024, which will start our kickoff in February in Richmond, then we'll hit Little Rock, Arkansas in April, I'll be in Park City in Deer Valley in June, Des Moines in September, and Albuquerque in November. And then, of course, our big annual conference, Fiber Connect 2024, will be in Nashville July 28th to 31st. Uh, the Fiber Broadband Association has also kicked off its inaugural 2023 Fiber Deployment Cost Study. And the surveys to really understand the cost of deploying fiber in various geographic and construction scenarios. The survey results for will be anonymized and aggregated in a published report in December, with the goal of providing the fiber industry with a reliable, accurate cost benchmark. So if you're interested in participating, you can find a link uh, to our survey on the slide or in the chat. So I hope you guys will please be participate. That brings us to today's Fire for Breakfast session with uh, Kirsten. Makesh, the Chief People Officer at Finley Engineering, who's going to discuss the broadband boom, meeting talent challenges with success. Uh, Kirsten will delve into talent challenges that are like you are likely experiencing while exploring best practices to guide you to success in your recruitment endeavors. Last week on Fire for Breakfast, we had the pleasure of hearing from FBA's tribal broadband chairs, Sachin Gupta from Central Net, and Robert Griffin from the Choctaw Nation discussed tribal broadband opportunities and challenges. You know, over 35% 35% of Americans residing on tribal lands do not have access to high-speed broadband. 
and we have a real opportunity to get all com Americans connected with broadband. And the you know, FBA's tribal working group now has 27 tribes participating and growing. So hopefully, if you have a tribe, please join us. Today on Fire for Breakfast, our guest is Kirsten McCash, the Chief People Officer for Finley Engineering, who will discuss the broadband boom, meeting talent challenges with success. Kirsten is a strategic business leader and partner with experience in aligning people and organizational solutions to business strategy. She has led all aspects of human resources and has acquired a deep expertise in developing and delivering talent strategies and programs to attract, develop, and engage and retain high-performing employees. She also has significant experience leading organization, uh, organizational transformation initiatives and is known for her courageous leadership and ability to address complex opportunities with focus and alignment to achieve results. She holds a BS in management from Arizona State University and also holds several cert certifications, including talent management uh, certification from UNC Flagler, um, a challenge management certification from University of Minnesota, a Strat uh, strategic workforce planning certificate from Human Capital Institute, and two coaching certificates from International Coaching Federation accredited institutions. Right now, she's working on her digital inclusion certificate from ASU. She has strong interest in equity and volunteers with AARP and on the Minnesota advocacy and speaker teams, primarily focused on improving support for caregivers and people in long-term care situations. So welcome, Kirsten. And for our audience, please type in your questions as go, and we'll work them into the Q&A at the end. With that, I'll turn things over to Kirsten. All right, thank you, Gary. Hello, everyone from snowy Minnesota. Uh, really excited to be here with you today and uh, was interested to see how everyone would respond to the poll at the beginning of this. Um, was kind of hoping somebody had it all figured out. I was going to hand you the mic and we were going to hear what you were doing, but um, not a surprise, all of us, including Finley, are experiencing some challenges, moderate to significant, um, with respect to talent. Uh, and so that is uh, what I really want to spend some time with, um, what, I'm, what I'm here to spend time with you on uh, today. And, you know, we're constantly reminded about the incredible funding that is available to extend broadband to unserved and underserved areas. And um, at Finley, as probably with all of you, that's incredibly important to us. Um, at Finley, our mission is to bring the world to rural America. And so uh, we want to be able to do that with great success. To in, in order for us to all take advantage of this funding, um, we need to be sure that we're prepared. And so we've had to get more creative and more future focused and proactive um, and really engage people in different ways to get differential results. Um, as I prepared for this webinar, I was reminded of a story that always makes me smile. Um, and it, and it's it, one of our employees was out with friends at a restaurant um, and sitting at the bar. And a couple of times a woman approached the bar um, to, to order a drink and was very, very busy. And so had to wait for a little while to, to get the bartender's attention. And each time that this, this woman came up to the bar, um, this employee made small talk, um, acknowledged her and just had a little bit of conversation. Um, the second time this woman came up, uh, she ended up waiting for quite some time. And so they got into a little bit of deep, a little bit deeper conversation. And our employee asked her, you know, what do you do for work? And she said, well, I'm a grant writer, but I just lost my job. 
Well, it happened, it just so happened that one of our open positions required grant writing skills. And so they exchanged contact information. And a couple of weeks later, we hired an incredible employee. So my point, the point of my story is the next person you meet might be the next person you hire. And we are all recruiters, um, no matter if we have a recruiter title, title or not, and talent is everywhere. And so as we think about how we meet these talent challenges, um, I'm not going to just talk about recruitment, although that is a big part of it. Um, but the other things that you see listed here as well, um, talent strategy, uh, talent acquisition, which is which includes but is not limited to recruitment, um, equity, career growth and development for your current employees, and then ultimately your um, organization culture, which kind of wraps around all of this. Um, so uh, today in the in the short time we have together, I'm going to be pretty high level, but um, hopefully we'll we'll hit these topics with enough enough depth. Um, that you'll feel like you're walking away a little more equipped and a little more ready for this challenge than you were um, when we started. All right, so as we think about talent strategy, um, I, I, I'm curious and I can't ask you all to respond, but I'm curious how many of you have a talent strategy. Um, one of the, th this is one of the best places to start, but it's important to remember that this strategy not only needs to be aligned with your business strategy and objectives, it's an integral part of your business strategy. And you need to think about it um, with respect to the, the things I have listed here, talent acquisition, employee development, employee engagement, um, and employee retention. In order to do this well, you need to know your audience. And in this case, particularly your employees and prospective candidates. As you think about your strategy and develop it, you wanna consider past, present, and future. Um, oftentimes, of course, with strategy, we're looking forward and we should be, but there's a lot to learn and, um, and a lot of great insights to bring forward into your strategy from the past. So for example, who have been the key contributors to your success that are still working for you now? How do you focus on really understanding what's important to them uh, to keep them, not only to retain them, but to keep them fully engaged and uh, contributing at their full potential. If and when they're ready to retire, um, how can you help them help you, help the organization with knowledge transfer, um, maybe mentoring? From a present perspective, what's most important to your current employees? Again, to keep them retained, but also fully engaged. And, um, and how do you help make sure that they're contributing to their full potential um, as well? As you look at your organization, what are your current capabilities and strengths? And as you look at your present relative to your future, are there any gaps with respect to capabilities and skills that you're going to need? So these are the kind of things that you want to consider as you start to build uh, this talent strategy. In that process, as you're thinking about the capabilities and skills that you're going to need, you're going to um, want to Think about when are you going to buy talent, borrow talent, and or build your talent. And when I mention buy, when I talk about buy, what I'm referring to there is hiring someone on as an employee. Um, and when you have a long-term need for particular skills and capabilities, 
that's often the best approach. But sometimes you've got some capabilities that you need for, we're a project-based company for a particular project or a shorter period of time. And so we might get, uh, we might hire or bring someone on as a contractor or a consultant with those very specific skills for a particular or a defined amount of time. There are also opportunities, and we want to make sure that this is a part of the strategy. There are opportunities to build our talent within, to build those skills and capabilities with our existing employees. Now, that's a longer term strategy, so you have to be thinking about that well in advance. That not only helps the organization as we move forward um, from a future orientation, but it also is something that is, is greatly valued by many of your employees and prospective candidates. Um, the other piece of this that's important to consider is how, who, are, who will be some key partners for you? Um, it might be industry or professional organizations, academic institutions, um, or other types of organizations that might be great sources of talent or might be great sources um, uh, to provide development to your employees. So these are the types of things you want to make sure are part of that strategy. Okay. So talent acquisition, I referred to earlier that recruitment is a part of, but not, uh, but, but talent acquisition is much bigger than just recruitment. And so first and foremost, you want to be really clear about what's your employment value proposition. Why, why do people want to come and work for you? Why do they want to stay with you? As important is what's your reputation and do those things match? So it's really important to um, you know, have, make, have, have on your website um, a little bit about your values and what it's like to work for you. Um, when you post in social media, that gives people a feel for who you are as a company. What's most important though, with respect to your reputation and how people know you is word of mouth. And so understanding how your employees how um, any partners or customers you have, maybe external to your organization, talk about you. Because that's what's really gonna tell people what they need to know about who you are as an employer. Um, as we've talked about on the, the previous slide, when you look at past, current, and, and future, but particularly present and future, getting really clear about what your organizational needs are. And to the extent that you can do that a bit in advance versus being reactive because um, uh, all of a sudden now you have a need, it takes a little while to find really great people. So to the extent that you can be looking forward at least three to six months, um, that is going to um, really serve you well. When you understand those organization needs, you can then start to plan for um, the types of, it, it kind of define those positions and start to build the descriptions around uh, those positions so that when you go out to advertise or post, um, it will be very clear to folks what you are looking for and you'll be able to better target um, the best candidates for your needs. And in those job descriptions, as you prepare those, you wanna be, um, you want to clearly describe the essential responsibilities, but also the qualifications. There, when you think about qualifications, making sure that you're clear about the requirements, and those are the non-negotiables. Like you can't do the job unless you've got those requirements. But everything else is preferred, and that's what those preferred requirement, the the required requirements, or the the those true requirements 
are what get people kind of in the door and into that recruitment process. The preferred requirements are what help you then differentiate between, between those qualified folks to figure out who's the best fit. So important to do that up front. Now the candidate sourcing piece here, and I, I go back to my story, is you wanna think about for this particular position, where are the people that I wanna target as candidates? Maybe a lot of the candidates for these particular jobs use public transportation. So maybe a bus shelter is a great place to advertise. Maybe your candidates are um, active on LinkedIn. Excellent, use LinkedIn. Um, maybe uh, your, your targeted candidates um, are professional engineers. So right now we've got some really important engineering positions open both in our energy business and our broadband business. Um, and preferably we're looking for those that are licensed professional engineers. And so there we need to continue to get creative and think about where do where are engineers, what professional organizations? Um, and there are some really excellent um, engineering organizations out there and academic institutions that we can partner with um, to source these candidates, to start to build relationships um, and have conversations with folks. Again, if you know in advance, you can start to meet people and, and build your networks and have conversations in advance of need. Um, but think about where those uh, candidates may be and what partnerships may help you source and attract those candidates and get connected with them. From a candidate evaluation and selection perspective, this is really the, as, as we think about reviewing resumes and interviewing, that's what happens here. And um, we wanna make sure that, again, we go back to what are those qualifications that you have outlined um, and thinking about, um, or, and then being really clear that when you're evaluating and ultimately selecting a candidate, you're doing it based on those predetermined qualifications and that you're also looking at your processes um, to ensure that as much as possible you have um, engineered any of the bias out of the processes. You got to always manage that from a human perspective. Um, but if you are sourcing candidates um, broadly and from sources, multiple sources um, where there are diverse candidates, you want to make sure that all of them have an opportunity to get through that process in a way that not only feels good to them, but results in the best candidate for you. Um, and then, you know, the talent acquisition process isn't done when you make an offer. Uh, it continues through that onboarding process. And I think a lot of um, people underestimate the value of onboarding. But keep in mind, this is an important part of the candidate experience. And it's that welcome into the company. And it is the opportunity to get them off to a really fast start. So we talked about career growth or development as something to be focused on. And in fact, um, it's uh, they're, they're the, the uh, study or the, that you see referenced at the bottom of the slide um, is one example of some research that has been done that um, has, has made it very clear or reinforced the, the fact that development is critically important to both employees and job seekers. Um, in fact, they found that 74% of millennial and Gen Z employees are likely to quit, quit their jobs in the next year due to a lack of skill development opportunities. And that nine out of 10 employees said if they were looking for a new job, it would be important for their potential employer to offer strong skills development program uh, with opportunities for career advancement. So this is something to not underestimate 
um, both in terms of what your employees and what prospective candidates want, but also in terms of, again, setting you up for great success and, and taking those folks that have um, good, solid skills now and good potential and a desire to learn and optimizing um, that talent by investing in them. So if you're in the broadband business, as we all are, we are in the equity business, particularly in terms of the services we provide and the people that we serve. We also need to think about that though within our own organizations. And so it's important to examine your employment practices through the lens of inclusion and equity. And I, I, I list all of these um, employment practices. Um, you want to, you know, as you, again, as you think about talent acquisition, um, think about, uh, you know, where you're advertising. Think about um, the reputation that you have, and are you able to access the whole talent pool or just a sliver of it? Right. We want to be able to access the, the whole entire um, talent pool. Um, if you're open to remote work, for example, or you have partnerships with um, diverse membership or or students. Um, you know, you'll want to make sure that the experience that they have um, on, on the way in and as they join and, and as they are in your organization is one that helps them feel included and able to do their very best work. Um, you need to pay attention again to the, the bias that, that often shows up in the recruitment process while you're reviewing resumes and, and interviewing as well. Thinking about, for example, are you able to adjust your, your process for a great candidate that's deaf with closed captioning um, in a virtual interview, for example, or supporting the use of assisted techno assist assistive technology um, if they're hired? So pay attention to who has access to job opportunities, who is developed, who's rewarded, whose voice is heard, and who feels like they belong. So as I mentioned, your, your organization culture kind of wraps around all of this. And most of our companies, maybe all of us, have a set of values. We have it maybe framed on the wall. We have it um, on our website. The big thing you want to pay attention to is, um, are those the values we actually live? If we look at how we do things around here, the best definition I've seen of organization culture how people show up, how they treat each other, um, what gets rewarded, what we measure, that's what tells you what your actual values are. And you wanna make sure that matches what you've got on the wall. And so it's important to observe what people say and do, how they treat each other. It's important to listen, important to, listen to employees' stories. What they're telling each other or telling their neighbors, you need to hear. Um, again, paying attention to what you measure, that drives behavior. And same with who you reward and who you recognize, right? If you have, if you say you have a highly collaborative um, culture and it's and and that we really include people in decision making and all of that, and then you promote someone into a leadership position who's more of a top-down com command and control kind of leader, you've just told everyone what your culture is. And it's not that collaborative inclusive, you know, in the decision-making culture, you're sending a signal. Um, artifacts, we have a book that's that was um, thinly 50 years, we're in our 70th year, but 50 years, and, and as I looked through that when I joined the company, there's poems in there that are just phenomenal. 
And so this past year, celebrating 70 years, um, we, we had a summer of 70 kind of trivia contest and so on. And at the end of the summer, we did a poetry contest and, and invited our employees to write poems about their experience or how they see Finley, right? That's kind of their story of Finley. And the poems that we received were incredible. So we've published them on our internet site. Those are the kinds of things, those artifacts, that book, these poems that again, tell people who you are. And then of course, written and unwritten policies and practices. But it starts with leadership. So you need to pay attention, especially if you're in a leadership position, how you are showing up every day. Um, so, uh, you know, as you think about um, all of these things, I've just pulled together five key questions for you to ask yourself now, but regularly revisit because as the market changes, as the funding environment changes, as our businesses change, as employees um, and prospective employees change, we always have to be revisiting this. Um, and so this is something that you can you can use as you start to think about this and start to think about your strategy and how you're how you're approaching the talent challenge, but then regularly revisit. So appreciate your time, everyone, and, and looking forward to some questions. All right, Kirsten, I have to say this is the first pie for breakfast where we started off with two Finley engineers walked into a bar. <laughs> yeah, well, I know I thought, should I tell that or not? And I'm like, yeah, but it's such a good story. <laughs> Uh, so a lot of questions in here. Um, so can you comment on using predictive index as a hiring filter? Ah, yeah, we actually are just starting to use it. And so um, don't have a lot of experience yet with it. Um, and, uh, and and so it's kind of in process. But what, what I love about it is um, you... When it, and it goes back to you, if you get really clear on what do we need for this position with respect to um, the requirements as you build that job description, but then as we think about the kind of um, person, the characteristics that we're going to need, um, you know, when for this particular position, for example, we're growing right now and a lot of change and transformation. And so for our leadership positions in particular, we're looking for people who have characteristics that will um, uh, enable them to really help lead change, um, to help coach people through that change and help them engage them in the process. So we can use predictive index to look for those kinds of things. Once we've got our final candidates, that's, that's one other thing that helps us kind of differentiate, but we don't use it as the decision maker. It is a one, piece of input that allows us to, if we see something there that we're like, hmm, I don't know if this is, this may not be the best match. It allows us then through questions that are provided with the tool to dig a little bit deeper and see if that actually might be something that isn't gonna work or maybe it's not an issue at all. Yeah, we're big fans of using disk analysis on our mm -hmm. final candidates just to make sure that we have good diversification of skill sets and, and so forth. Uh, another one came in. It says basically, um, given the operational tech uh, talent pool is pretty shallow, is there anything a company can do in the form of incentives or benefits to attract this type of talent? Yeah, well, um, I, yeah, there's a couple things. Um, one, internally, uh, good people know good people. And we have an employee referral program. And so we incent our employees to help us find great talent. And in fact, um, 
we have 75% of our referrals have turned into offers. So that's kind of an internal incentive. External, there are lots of ways to structure an offer. And I tend to not want to play too much with a base salary because once you get that, you know, you, you can't take it back, right? I mean, that's kind of fixed and it continues to grow. Although you need to first and foremost, get good market data and make sure that you're, you're paying um, in a way that is attractive. But there's lots of ways to structure um, offers and understanding what is most important to that candidate can help you do that. Is time off because they um, love to in the summer go with their family for two weeks to you know wherever important and coming in you have three you typically offer three weeks to new employees and with this person you're like we're going to offer you four weeks if that's what's important to them that may be you may do a hiring bonus what I like to do with hiring bonuses is I like to attach them to objectives and you might pay a little bit right at signing uh, offer signing time but in three months if we see x y and z we're going to give you another five thousand dollars or whatever so really thinking about uh, understanding what's important to that candidate and thinking about creative ways um, sending them to a conference or helping them pay for a certification those kinds of things um, can all be really effective well kirsten thank you so much and yeah i always I get surprised that um, candidates always have different um, things that are important to them and just, yeah, I always make a mistake when I try to anticipate or just assume because, <laughs> um, you know, different things are important to different people. But I really appreciate you sharing your experience and insights on recruiting with us and um, I look forward to um, getting back together next Wednesday with everybody. We're going to have Paul Connolly from Telecom and Network Practice Leader for Entropy who's going to be discussing competitive broadband and the multi-gigabit world. Don't count out cable. So we'll see what Paul has to say. But um, we have a lot more questions here, Kirsten, so we'll have, have you out to follow up with those afterwards. But thanks, everyone, for joining us, and we'll see you guys next Wednesday.